This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to On the Bench. This is your host, Brendan Sinone. I am joined currently by Josh Newberg and uh, joining us on his anniversary. He's uh, in a hotel room right now. Is that too scandalous, Chris? He's on his phone. We weren't planning on doing a podcast tonight. Hi, Chris. I just like that's becoming a tradition that I always have to do a podcast on my anniversary. I'm sure Caressa loves that. No comment. No comment. That's a smart man because the wife's in the in the room, I'm sure. All right. This was not a planned podcast. Uh, it's an emergency podcast, which has emerged to be our specialty because FSU has a new 2020 schedule. They lost a five-star player, a former five-star player, and uh, we have some recruiting tidbits too. So we have a lot to get to tonight. Yeah, but I think we should start somewhere. I want to. I want to okay. get to this. Just get it out of, out of the way first. You got to defend your mac and cheese. I, <laughs> see, you you told us on the last podcast that you admitted it was going to be your first round. I mean, the way that you said it, it made it sound like this isn't going to be your final attempt at it. But let me let me tell you. There's good news and there's bad news. The good news is you hit rock bottom. Like you can't you can't do worse. The bad news is. Your first attempt was so bad, you don't deserve a second attempt. <laughs> wow. I have several thoughts on this. So one, I mean, I thought I was fair on myself saying four out of 10 because the presentation was God awful. And I admit that uh, it was, it was pretty horrendous, but it tasted good. I know people aren't going to believe that based on the way it looked. What happened, man, is I put the cheese on top, which the recipe that I had did not call for it on Brendan, top. Brendan, when you posted that pic, I took I immediately the first thing I did was take a sip of water. It looked so dry. No, it was it was moist and delicious. I no got, way. I got the roux was on point. I got a picture. I will send you the roux. <laughs> Why the roux did was you delicious. Cook it in your grandma's ceramic. <laughs> what was that about? Ashley told me that was the best one to do it in. Oh man! So the ceramic was the issue. No, I mean that. No, that was just like a. Uh, that was just a little side piece to it. But the you whole know, thing, it, you, you, you completely. I gotta commend you for at least posting a picture. Like that takes some, some, you know what, to post that picture, knowing that you were just gonna get dragged all weekend for that. I've had it for. Let's say I had it for both lunch and dinner yesterday, and then I had it for breakfast this morning, and then I had it again for dinner tonight. It's delicious. Don't, don't torture yourself. It, it's mm-hmm. really good. It's the Tim Duncan. See, people oh, are so God. worried about no. flash, and they want it to be no. flashy and how it looks. No, this is a 2010 mac and cheese taste-wise. At, yeah, at the very least, it's Chris Gatling. It's unorthodox, but it gets the job done. Who dresses worse, Sinone or Tim Duncan? So no, definitely. All right. We got big news today. Let's yeah. get to it, Brendan. What do we got? What's going on? Why are we doing an emergency podcast? It's damn sure not because it's your mac and cheese. 
<laughs> the people yesterday wanted us to do an emergency, I almost said mac and cheese, an emergency podcast, I'm shook, on Kalen LeBourne. But, uh, but that wasn't huge news to me because we'll get into that. This is why we're doing, doing a emergency podcast. The ACC released a model schedule. Uh, it basically had a schedule for, or basically had a model how it wants to do all of its fall sports. But as it pertains to Florida State, it released a football schedule. And man, I'm usually not the, oh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm usually against the FSU fans that think they're always getting screwed over. But holy shit, <laughs> did FSU get railroaded on this one. <laughs> this, yeah. Right, Chris, I'll, I'll throw this to you. Uh, first, can you lay out, use your beautiful mind. I know you don't have a computer pulled up in front of you because you didn't bring a computer to your anniversary uh, stakeout. Can you go over the schedule for us or do you need me to read it for you? I've got it. FSU is playing a 10 plus one schedule, which means 10 conference opponents. Notre Dame is now part of the ACC for at least this year, meaning they'll play 10 ACC games as FSU will as well. The one is hopes of playing Florida. We'll get to that part a little bit later. As far as FSU schedule, they're now scheduled to host Clemson, Georgia Tech, North Carolina, Pitt, and Virginia. They're expected to travel to Duke, Louisville, Miami, NC State, and Notre Dame. So that means Boise, bye-bye Boise State, bye-bye Sanford, bye-bye West Virginia. Those games are now dead and buried, not expected to be played. Florida, as I said, is something that they still hope to do. The ACC's plus one basically is a selection by the respective school, but it must be from within the home state of that school. So for FSU, that would be a team like Florida. And the opponent must meet the medical protocol requirements as agreed upon by the ACC. One would expect the ACC and the SEC to have similar protocols. Now, the concern there is that there are some reports the SEC might play a 10 and only 10 conference game schedule. That would mean FSU Florida would be out. David Coburn, AD for FSU, issued a statement today that lent itself to him believing that FSU Florida is still something that will happen this year. But I think the best way of framing that right now is to be determined. Now, to Sinone's point about FSU being bent over backwards and kind of screwed by this whole thing, Bent over I think forwards. it's fair. Eh, whatever. I, I agree. FSU was supposed to play Wake. They were supposed to play Boston College. They were supposed to play Syracuse. That's the original ACC schedule. We've now replaced those with FSU hosting Georgia Tech, hosting North Carolina, hosting Virginia. Those are all new home opponents. And going on the road and facing Duke, uh, Notre Dame at Notre Dame, probably one of the coldest nights of the year, just knowing FSU's luck right now. So those are the additions. I would say the additions are far worse than what was subtracted from the schedule in the sense of win-loss probability for FSU. I just it, it doesn't line up very nicely for FSU. It's certainly concerning. I would contend that FSU is playing the upper tier of both the Atlantic and Coastal in a normal year. This year, the whole league's viewed as one division. It's not going to be a two-division league. The ACC championship is going to be the two teams with the best conference winning percentage overall so it's not like there's going to be an atlantic champion and a coastal champion so don't think about it in that way this year got it okay before we go move on i want to play a little game let me explain the rules i'm going to read down the schedule you guys predict win or loss on each game i'm going to tell you who wins at the end so chris brendan you guys ready yep yep all right clemson loss loss georgia tech win win I'm, I'm, North, if I go faster than the automatic, yeah, who are, yeah, you can't, yeah. Actually, no, you can both say the same thing, but it'll, it, in my judging, it'll help. Uh, North Carolina, loss. loss. Pitt, win. Loss. Ooh, Pitt's good. Virginia, win. Win. 
Duke. Win. Win. Louisville. I'm going win. I'm going to be Homer. I'll go with win too. Louisville manages to shit itself against FSU. Miami. Loss. Loss. NC State. Win. Win. Notre Dame. Loss. Loss. All right. Now, the Chris, bonus round. Chris, we're so simpatico. We only had one different. This is going to determine, this could determine it for all the marbles. Ready? Mm-hmm. FSU versus Florida. Who you got? Loss. Loss. Oh, that's a shocker. Okay, who's <laughs> going to win this one? Uh, I'm going to go with Chris Knee. He no! wins. No! <laughs> bull. All right. That's it. That's the game. Thanks. Josh is going to predict. Uh, Thanks Pittsburgh for playing, everybody. He's going to project, project FSU to lose to Pittsburgh like in two months. <laughs> and I'm going to bring this back up as the determining factor. Yeah. Josh, what was your reaction when you when you saw the schedule? I don't get you don't get too emotionally bent out of shape one way or the other about that. But I, I asked because it gave me a like a legit. About, I was like, what the hell? What the hell are they doing? Like, how, yeah. how did the ACC do Initially, that? Like. From a football fan's perspective, I thought this is a better schedule. I'm always advocating for better games to be scheduled. Like, I never want FSU to feel sorry for themselves by talking about how the stands look for a game against Samford. I mean, you're scheduling Samford. So, at least this docket is full of teams uh, that that are interesting to me. Every week is very interesting to me. Um, the downside, FSU's fans' perspective, FSU is getting screwed. In. I mean, <laughs> okay, royally. So at the same that. time, I had both those emotions. At losing BC and Wake at home and traveling to Syracuse and what you replace that with. I mean, I mean just, yeah. Yeah, it's brutal. Does Sam Howell have to come in to Tallahassee to do this? Well, and here's the thing, Josh, like you're saying it's cool and it is a cool home schedule. Like that'd be an mm-hmm. awesome home schedule for fans to go to, but mm-hmm. we don't even know if they can go to the right. game. So you can't go and boo Sam Howell. You can't get to see the cool Georgia Tech game. Obviously you have Clemson would be a big one. Like that doesn't even necessarily exist. Yeah. Like we thought we might dodge Sam Howell entirely. Right. Like now he's now all of a sudden he's coming to town is like the hottest thing going in the ACC right now. So yeah. yeah. Um, but Hey, yeah. The expectation is you play these 11 games in a 13-week span, start, starting with uh, mm-hmm. the second week in September being when they would open the season and then going mm-hmm. to either December 5th or 12th. The ACC championship could be play on the, played on the 12th or 19th. They left themselves some wiggle room with scheduling, um, obviously, yeah. because they're probably expecting some setbacks. So we don't know dates yet for this, but I'm very interested to see the possibility of FSU getting a really brutal, like three in a row stretch, like, you know, say host Clemson, go to, you know, Miami or NC state, you know, right. NC state's kind of been a house of horrors and then traveling to Notre Dame. So it's like prob- it's going to be brutual one way or another. Over I mean, under you know. on November 1st for Notre Dame. Let's just say like that. Like, is it going to be a November game? It's got to be right. That's just, I just, I expect it at this point. I feel like that's where we're at with this whole thing where, FSU is not going to get any, like, you know, good sides of the cookie. They're going to get the burnt side. You know, I didn't look a ton at the whole conference modeling schedule, which I'm doing in real time right now. But holy hell, Clemson. Yeah. Yeah, they protected Clemson, huh? Yeah. BC, Miami, Pitt, Syracuse, Virginia at home. (laughs) And then they travel to FSU, Georgia Tech, Notre Dame, Virginia Tech, Wake Forest. Uh, I mean, Notre come on, that's your, that's your best team in the league, and that's Wait, what you're doing to them? Clemson's dodging Miami? 
No, they host Miami. Okay, I didn't hear you say Miami. I thought yeah, they were. They yeah, yeah, yeah. Got to protect they, the brand, they do, man. They, they don't get North Carolina, who I think a lot of people would pick Miami or North Carolina probably to win the Coastal. So they don't get them. Um, and I feel like they dodged somebody else that's a fairly decent foe with Virginia the Tech. Are they playing Virginia Tech? No, they, they play at BT. Okay. That's oh, they dodge Louisville. That's oh, who that's it is. That's right. Yeah. How do they... How does that happen? That's a divisional, oh, whatever. Yeah, the Div- divisions are dead for this year, though. That's what we got to remember. One hypothetical here, I want to before we move on. I think we're all on the same page with FSU not getting a great benefit of the doubt there. If the Florida game doesn't happen, if the SEC says we are only going to do conference only, won't do the plus one like how the ACC is doing, who would you want to see come travel to Florida State? FAU. I knew that's what you were going to say. For $17 million. FAU has to pay $17 million to play us, and we'll just give the money back to them and call it even. <laughs> should make should make Willie Taggart come watch Sam Howell play. I mean, let's be honest. Are you really here? To, I, you might want to see UCF come play them, yeah, but I, I don't. That, I would be here for it. Yeah, I, other teams in the state, I'm just not feeling it. Okay. Josh doesn't care. We've lost him. He's not interested in hypothetical. Josh, Josh is a USF homer in the closet. We all know this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Facts. Mm-hmm. Okay. Moving on. The other news that we want to get to is, is from yesterday, as first reported by Chris Nee of Knowles 24 7. Kalen LeBourne, former five star running back, someone that we're going to get into, but some because there's a disconnect here. But but the fan base had really high expectations for this season after Cam Akers left. He's no longer with the team, uh, basically dismissed because of violation of team rules. Think about how far, how long ago it was, how excited we were for him when he goes out in the Lamborghini, commits, and his career just goes up in smoke. Uh, real quick. Yes or no, and we'll move on to other topics with LeBorn. But yes or no, guys, is this a significant loss for FSU? Josh, yes or no? Uh, can we say it at the same time? Yep. Uh, one, no, two, no, no, no. three. <laughs> yes. Ah, oh, come on. I'm no, with Josh. Yes, it is a significant uh, loss. It's not monumental. Let me make the case. Go for it, Josh. I'm yeah. with you. All right. On a, on a team that lacks playmakers – you're losing what could, and, and this is a big word, could potentially, that's the big word, be like a top three playmaker on that roster right now. That's why he's a big loss. Defenders I've, watched bad, I've watched bad football teams for the last three years. I'm done with the word potential. Either you do it or you don't. And with, with him, I just, I don't think it was ever going to happen. Like, I know he has a ton of talent. I know what he was capable, capable of, especially before the knee injury. But, nah, I, I don't think it's a huge loss. I think the fact they restocked that position this past class and a guy like Jay Sean came in, you know, if they didn't have a guy like Jay Sean come in, I would But Jay Sean's coming off of a major leg injury. And the other guy that they have is a Juco running back that didn't play at, at even a quarter of the level that he's about to walk into at Florida State. Right. And I agree with you in the regards of LeBorn had some experience. In Lawrence Tofilly's not ready. No, I agree with that. I think Corey Wren's a guy you use. Those are tricksters. You're not, you're not yeah. giving them. You're not giving them more than five or six touches a game, right? Yeah, but I, I've been adamant that Corbin was going to be the number one back, and I felt that for numerous reasons. And one of those is the trustworthiness of LeBorn and 
Well, here he is proving that he wasn't trustworthy. So, you know, I got there's you, a door, man. there's a door have on the way out. I mean, I just, I don't know. I don't think the, uh, I don't think his value was worth the headache that comes with him personally. If people who've been listening to the podcast for months now or frequent Knowles 24 seven, know any single time we would bring up Kalen LeBourne and his potential role in this offense, Chris mentioned trustworthiness, trustworthiness, something among trustworthiness, dependability. Those were all things that we would always have to bring up, not just because of the catastrophic knee injury he had to end the 2018 season, but also because this is someone who was suspended at the end of last season. He was out for the Florida game and then was out for the Arizona State game, and FSU had to basically go with two walk-on running backs for that game. He was in legal trouble for marijuana the previously that offseason, and he was also – Chris, wasn't he sent home in 2017? From yeah, the, he was uh, sent home around Christmas Day from the Independence Bowl. Yeah. And there was also, even after his freshman year, rumors that would bubble up every offseason that he was leaving the program. And we also heard he was unhappy. So all those things, all these things always, to me, made it to where even though you saw the tantalizing like, potential, that's what we're talking about with them, it made it to where it's like, yeah, we weren't going to fully invest emotionally in Kalen on the board. Yeah. But to I, Josh's point, this is where I disagree with you, Chris, like, I mean, go ahead and look at our 50 most important players that we that we did. I had him at 22. Chris, you had him at 26. Josh had him at 17. Young Zach had him top 10. Bud, 14. Wayne had him down at 39, basically because FSU wouldn't make him available for interviews. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and, and, then, and then Trey had him at 16. So a smattering there, but he was on everyone's list. And for us, the sweet spot was in the 20 range. Uh, and that was based as a, a low-end backup because of what he could be. Like, none of us wanted to leave him off the list. I didn't. And just because that 5% chance that it all came together. Uh, that's why I'm with with Josh. Like, it was significant. It's not something I don't think you can't overcome because he was always going to be RB2. He wasn't going to be the guy. Corbin's going to be the guy this year if he stays healthy. The issue is if Corbin doesn't stay healthy, if he's not quite as explosive as you're hoping he is, who are the other options? Is it LaDamian Webb? Is that number two now in our mind? Yeah, yeah. probably. And I like LaDamian. I, I like what we you see from him at JUCO level. I like what you saw from him coming out of high school. But to Josh's point, man, unknowns. Unknowns all across the board at running back. And we know that Mike Norvell loves using his running backs. I, I think Sheffield, I'm not trying to turn Sheffield into more than he is, but I think he's reliable enough that if you need a guy to give you some spot duty, he can give it to you. And I, I don't know. I'm just at the point with players where if you're not earning the paycheck to a degree, like move on. And I feel like LeBorn was one of those guys. I feel like Sheffield's a polar opposite of that. Sheffield's a guy who we know the time is investing, has the right attitude, and he's a good guy around the locker room. I, I'd much rather that right now than the guy who can't get out of his own way, which seems to be LeBorn's issue. Yeah, don't sleep on Sheffield. Uh, with that in mind, do we think that LeBourne's dismissal was Norvell making a statement, setting an example for the rest of the team? I, I wholeheartedly yes. believe yes. Yeah, you do too, Josh. What about you, Chris? Well, I think it was sort of one of these things where it's progressed to this point with his career, his time at FSU. He's been in trouble under all three coaches that he's been with at FSU. Jimbo Fisher, Willie Taggart, and now Mike Norvell. And Odell so Higgins. I, I, right, and Odell, who was the interim. So I think it was sort of one of those things where it, I don't know that it was truly in Norvell's hands to make a wholehearted decision. I think some of it was 
you know, bylaws and the way they live their life as football players, what would they have to abide by? Josh, you remember how much Willie Taggart loved Kalen LeBorn, like how excited he was? Yeah, there's a there's a time at one of the June camps when Willie Taggart first arrived. We were in the indoor facility, and I remember it was in between drills. They were watered down or something, and he called me over to midfield, and he just wanted a BS about you know the future and the team. And uh, some of the guys were out there, and Cam Akers jogged past, and he goes, "Cam Akers," he goes, "Let me tell you about Kalen Layborn," and I was like, <laughs> "Oh yeah." And uh, he also gave me a little other nugget that I shared on the message board that week is um, he told me, oh, yeah, that, you know, that they were going to use a, a whole lot of Laybourne. And not only that, but they needed four at least four quality backs to run the offense that they wanted to run. So he, he swore like, you know, he was really excited and swore that Laybourne was going to be, you know, a big time player for him. And that might have been the case because he handed him the ball one time in that Virginia Tech game, and, and for a couple seconds, it sure looked like he was going to be that guy that Willie Taggart thought he was going to be. But um, he got injured, unfortunately, out for the rest of that season, and here we are two years later, and uh, Laybourne's gone. I recall you know, we talk about Mike Norvell setting an example uh, and dismissing someone essentially for violation of, of team rules. Willie Taggart, and part of this is well-documented, that he was not able to necessarily turn over the roster the way he wanted to because of the APR, worked on getting that up, and now Mike Norvell is going to have that flexibility. So it's not fairs as an apples to apples. I recall as a Quandre White, Chris, wasn't it in the spring where he got run off? Glee. Glee! The now South Carolina Gamecock is a Quandre White. I believe it was spring. And that was supposed to be an example, like Willie wanted to set a message. I'm not sure what Zaquandre did, but correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, that was the example, but then Zaquandre is back on the team again. He ends up getting suspended for the Clemson deal. Like very different when you just cut bait with someone versus when you yell at them, but then let them kind of still hang around. I think those are two very different messages that you're sending. I think that's fair. Yes. So. That's the end of the Kalen LeBorn era at Florida State, another part of the 2017 class that, that is going to, when we look back at it, uh, maybe in the next month or so too, depending on how camp season goes and what our podcast flexibility is, but a very volatile, like boomer bust, right? Like it's one way or the other. There's not a whole lot of in between in Jimbo's final class as it is right now. All right. Oh, one other thing before we take a commercial break. Uh, confirmed earlier today, Nolan McDonald and Ricardo Watson, both walk-ons, uh, valuable walk-ons, both former three-star recruits. Uh, they are no longer with the team confirmed through uh, FSU. So FSU moved on from a few different players this week. All right, let's take a quick commercial break. And then on the other side of it, we have all sorts of recruiting news. God, I didn't think we'd really be talking that much of recruiting this week and, and my vacation's been ruined. All right, we'll be right back. Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? 
And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, welcome back to On the Bench. We are wrapping up here with a handful of recruiting tidbits. Really positive stretch here for Florida State. And this is, I swear, guys, if Destin Payson commits this week and makes me have to do one more podcast during my supposed time off, I will lose my shit. I will lose it. I'm praying to the commitment gods that it happens. You should go make some more mac and cheese so Josh can ridicule you. Uh, that Twitter, was, my critique wasn't that bad. It was just being honest. Twitter ridiculed me. You know, some people are all about flash. I'm more about substance. Chris. I don't I don't show Josh any of the food I ever make because he's a high-class hoe when it comes to food. And I'm just not there. I am not a high – I am not – have you guys seen what I cook with? Yeah, but, like, you put bond and effort into it. I'm just trying to make something to keep it go. I'm all about the substance. Do we know? I want to tell you guys what happened with the macaroni real quick. I panicked, and I know that's not oh, going to be a surprise to anyone. On. It was looking okay at the top, but it didn't get brown and like crunchy the way I wanted to. And I was just like, this doesn't look right. And the noodles had already been in the oven for like 35 minutes. So I just stirred it all up, and that's why it looked all congealed and clunky. So you, you, hey. ma- you made it more cheesy, just like my 10 year old would. So congrats. It was delicious. It did was you shred awesome. your own? Did you shred your own cheese? No. Brendan, see, get see, out of here. See what I'm saying about Josh? Get yes, out of here. High class I beg for my cheese. Josh is I out shredded, here I shredded like three and a half pounds of cheese by hand oh to, to do mine. So, Brendan, you got a lot of learning to do. Anyway, let's get we're – we're out of commercial break. Let's go. What do we got? Speaking of shredding, you know who's shredding it on the recruiting trail? Damn, that was good. FSU hoops, Chris. This is your uh, your anniversary, and I'm going to let you make sweet love to the microphone right now. Wax poetic, big, big fella. Do it. FSU landed four star center John Butler from Greenville, South Carolina, Christ Church Episcopal. For those keeping score at home, FSU has landed the top two players from the great state of South Carolina this year. Him and Bryce McGowan's being the two. Um, I thought Brian Snow, 247 analyst, kind of nailed it with his description on Butler. He said, Butler's the type of big man that Leonard Leonard Hamilton values in his system. He possesses tremendous size and length for the position, is mobile, runs the floor, protects the room, and has plenty of upside. The big man is still still thin at this stage, but a college weight room will really help him out. He's about 7'1", 190 for those who don't know. Uh, very good player on the defensive side of the ball. He can also do some nice things around the rim offensively. He's a pretty good ball handler for a big guy. He's a really talented dude. He's ranked number 57 overall, number 12 center. He's number two prospect in the state, as I mentioned. Averaged just shy of 18 and 8 last year. Also 1.2 assists per game. He's the third commitment for FSU in that class, joining McGowan's and Matthew Cleveland, top 15 player they landed about a week ago here. FSU now has the number two ranked class in the country. 
and a top class in the always ultra competitive Atlantic Coast Conference. Damn, FSU hoops number two nationally. Yeah, and this this class I got a little more work to do. They're probably going to take at least two to three more. We need to find out with Naheem McLeod <laughs> if they're definitely bringing him back in. If they do, that's another big man that they're going to add in. But they're kind of aiming for the stars with this bunch. It's not going to be a class where they finish kind of with a whimper. I think they're going to finish pretty strong. I think it's going to be one of the best classes Ham's ever brought in. Is number one potentially, like, is that in the fold? I don't know what else is going on around them, like how many more big names are going to still commit to other schools. But is number one going to be in a conversation when this is all said and done? Yeah, I mean, they're after enough high-level guys, you know, a guy like Michael Foster, but he may end up in the G League. He's a top-ten player overall in the country. Ryan Matumbo, who's the son of Dikembe, his cousin's fee. He's number 65 in the country. FSU's way in there. There's a guard named James White that likes FSU a lot. He's a top 100 guy. And then there's a guy like James Graham, a forward. He's a number 34 player at his position, 153 overall. But he's a guy who I think is going to end up easily a top 100 player, if not top 50 at the end of the day. James Graham's continually trended upward, and I think he's going to continue to do that, especially if people are able to get out and see him. He's very talented. He's a kid that he's from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, but he and his father have a real good relationship with him. And if visits were a possibility right now and FSU could get him on campus, I think they would have a real legitimate shot of kind of locking that up. I definitely think they're in play. I just think it would be different if he was able to get down here and see it. I gave you about three minutes of FSU basketball talk, Chris. Happy anniversary. It was it was, it was great, man. I appreciate it. He's <laughs> smoking a cigarette now. Yeah. Postcoital. Uh Joshua, FSU switching from hoops to the gridiron. Uh, the Knolls got a 2023. God, it makes me feel old. 2023 commitment from Orlando Edgewater running back, Cedric Baxter Jr. Uh, what uh what can you tell us about about Cedric? It's a big time early offers, including Florida State, um, but also Auburn, Georgia Tech, Cincinnati, Pitt, uh, Kansas, amongst others. He had about 12 in total. Six foot, 195, like you said. 24-7 sports has not ranked him yet. We have him listed as an athlete, but I think he's going to end up being a running back. Um, If you watch his film from his freshman year in Orlando, he's a tough runner, man. He... uh, I know it's early on. He doesn't have a ranking, but he has the chance to be a big time back depending on how he develops. Um, like I said, six foot, 195. Reminds me a little bit of maybe a Lawrence Toafili, somebody that uh, signed with Florida State last year. Big, strong runner, gets it done between the tackles. He also does some kick return, punt return stuff. So um, early on, you know, a couple of years until he signs a 2023 commitment, but he is a lifelong FSU fan. So We'll see what happens. We'll continue to keep you guys updated on him, though. Cedric Baxter. He, yeah, remind- he said it. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Chris. I was just going to add. He said it's been a dream since I was little with regards to committing to FSU when I mm-hmm. caught up with him briefly today. And uh, it's kind of funny. 247 indirectly did some recruiting of him. Uh, back in June, when the company did the series about schools producing the best at positions, and they showcased Mike Norvell and Memphis's success at the running back position, that story hit home a lot with Baxter. He actually spoke with Andrew Ivins at an event around the time of that story being run. And pertaining to it, he and FSU's hopeful success at running back with the idea of Mike Norvell running the show. I love it, especially because I play running back and I see statistics the last couple of years. He had multiple running backs go to the league. That's what relation to Norvell. So it's kind of funny how that story 
I think what Memphis was number three in running back production, according to that story, that kind of stuck home for Baxter and stood out to him. I spoke with Chris Hayes, who covers recruiting for the Orlando Sentinel earlier today. He said Baxter's a badass. Uh, he's spoke very highly of him. You know who he reminds me of, guys? And then maybe it's just an Orlando to Orlando thing. He reminds me of Jacquez Patrick. And this is Jacquez, more younger Jacquez, before he got a little bit thicker in his later years at Timber Creek. Uh, similar running style, quick foot in the ground, run downhill, powerful type of runner. He, Patrick, Patrick was such a man-child, though. Like that, that uh, You're not the first person to say that to me or mention that about Baxter. And I definitely think there's similarities, but man, Patrick was a man-child. I just remember how large of a like fourteen year old he was. Yeah, he was already probably six three at at this point. Where it said it's probably six one. But I'm talking about more the running style, and I actually think that Baxter has a little bit more juice to his game, a little more wiggle with the hips, which which kind of hindered Jacquez's upside at FSU. Uh, kind of limited him to what he could be. But regardless, FSU looks to have a really really promising running back in the fold, like guy who's going to be ranked as a top two fifty recruit easily nationally. Maybe top 100. I, I, is that fair to say? And we're talking about potential, so. like high, high yeah. four star. Yeah, I mean, I, I think so. Yeah. Okay, Josh. A couple offensive line tidbits, and then we'll wrap this up. Amarius Min dropped a little news today. Why don't you, uh, why don't you fill the, the listeners into what the five star offensive tackle had to say? Amarius Mims, six foot seven, three hundred and fifteen pounds. Put some respect on his name, Brendan. Mm. Uh, the five star offensive tackle out of Cochran, Georgia, attends Bleckley County High School, number two rated offensive tackle in the country, sixth best player overall. Uh, He had some news today. He pushed back his commitment date. He was going to do it in mid-August, and it will now take place on October 14th. Um, Why is this significant for FSU? Because they weren't going to land him in August. So I think this is a good thing for well, FSU. They, I mean, you've been telling people they've been trying – I'm trying to lead you along here, dude. They've been trying to get him to come visit, right? Yeah, that still might uh, – but I'm. But regardless, visit or not, he wasn't going to be picking FSU in August. He also so, cut down a six to five, right? Well, didn't Oklahoma get bounced? Yeah, Oklahoma's for some uh, reason – missing all the – Got the boot. Josh well, out here. you keep cutting me off. I'm, I never said I was finished talking. Um, Oklahoma <laughs> – was a casualty of this movement. I don't know what Oklahoma did or why, you know, if they had anything to do with his October 14th new decision date, but Oklahoma got the boot out of his top six. So now we're dealing with the top five, which is no order, Alabama, Tennessee, Georgia, Auburn, and Florida state. Um, Rank I'll have an update this weekend, <laughs> but my sources tell me that Mims is still expected to visit most likely uh, Saturday. So we'll see, you know, if it happens, I'll post on Knowles 24 seven. Would you agree with this, Josh, Georgia, Alabama, Auburn, FSU, Tennessee? Yeah. The FSU, Tennessee could be, I, yeah, I, I wouldn't argue with it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Chris is getting so in the mood right now. He's ranking, ranking things. It's his anniversary. Of yeah, course. <laughs> hey man, it's not every day you get a four star center. <laughs> All right. The last, sorry, Josh, I apologize for cutting you off. I'm very excited. I got my boys here. We're doing an emergency uh, podcast. And you've been drinking coffee again. I get it. Oh dude, today coffee, two diet Cokes, no alcohol, but yeah. uh, the training wheels are off. Ooh, got to get back. Got to get back this week. Um, one other offensive lineman tidbit and that's Rod Orr announces that he's going to likely commit, make a decision by the end of August. 
When did he say that? Oh, we got on the front page uh, of Knowles 24-7. I'll let Chris take this one. I didn't Ryan, see Cal- Ryan Callahan from our Tennessee side caught up with him. And Rod's kind of been uh, like nonspecific every time somebody from the network's talked to him in the last several weeks. Mm-hmm. He had originally set a date of August 1st for a commitment. He said it maybe won't be August 1st, but it, but it will be next month. So it's pretty clear that he's still intending to make a decision in August. He said that there's for sure four to five schools high on his list. He wouldn't be super specific about it. Tennessee is definitely one of them from what he told Ryan Callahan. Uh, you know, FSU has been mentioned there a lot. I know Mississippi State's made a big push. Uh, Oregon, Mizzou, Old Miss, those are some of the other ones. Auburn's kind of the one lurking out there. They haven't offered. If they do, it's probably a done deal. But it's not clear whether or not they will. Auburn's obviously got a lot of guys already in their class. Um he had wanted to take visits. He contends that he still would like to see schools, but he's probably going to make a decision beforehand. So that's kind of where things stand. The secret weapon for Tennessee, he's related to Rock Taylor, who's committed their class of 21 receiver athlete. He's his cousin. So that's kind of the thing Tennessee has working for themselves. I read the update, and, you know, I've talked to Orr a little bit behind the scenes here in the last couple of weeks, and I also talked to um, someone from our Mississippi State site who spoke to him in the last couple of weeks the other day. None of us are real sure where the hell he's definitely going to go. We all kind of agree if Auburn comes along, they're going to win. But it's it's tough to with a kid who's not taking a whole lot of visits and sort of blew up during the pandemic to kind of get a feel for who it is if it's not Auburn. And we do know Josh has confirmed with source previously. FSU and him are communicating and did communicate recently. Anything to add to that, Newberg? No, I reached out to him recent, uh, recently to ask if he was indeed still committing early August, and I didn't hear back. So, I, I re- you know, believe it or not, Brandon, I'm not on the front page of, of Knowles 24-7 all day like you are. So it would just slip – it slipped past me. Sorry, I didn't know. I mean, it was on the uh, it was on the script that I sent you like two hours I ago. don't read that either. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate your transparency. <laughs> All right. The last thing do we want to talk about is uh, how about Ole Miss message board saying that Luke Altmaier uh, wouldn't be a surprise if he ends up in that class. You want to talk about that? Yeah, no, I'm not here for it. All uh, right. I don't, I don't know what credence that has. I think Ole Miss is going to get Dink Jackson. Congrats. I don't think FSU or Tennessee was convinced they actually wanted him. Beyond that, I'm not involving myself in Ole Miss Rebel recruiting. All right, I wanted to get Chris. I wanted to get Chris like all revved up for us as soon as the podcast ends. Uh, for a post and pre cordial Chris Knee and a high class ho Josh Newberg, I am Brennan Sinone, a terrible macaroni and cheese maker. This has been the emergency edition of On the Bench. Five star reviews on Apple Podcasts. Uh, you can subscribe to us on Spotify, Google Play, wherever you get podcasts. Everyone, thanks for listening. Thanks for the support. Uh, we'll talk to you sometime. Unless Justin Pazan ruins my vacation, we'll talk to you sometime next week. Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. 
So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.